Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Righto. But right now, it's time uh, to talk to Cameron Good. He is the New Zealand Rugby Head of Tournaments and Competitions on this exciting news that finally the Six Nations and Sanzar teams or organisations have met, signed in principle. I want to find more about it. Cam joins us now. G'day, Cam. Hey, Seth, thanks for having, thanks for having me on. Um, this, is, this is pretty exciting. Um, how far down the nuts and bolts of how it's all going to work are you? Is it conceptual at the moment? Um, and is there a lot of work to do? What, what's the shape of it at the moment? Yeah, we've been working... So Sansa with Six Nations World Rugby and the International Rugby Players Association, we've been working on this for a couple of years now. So we, we are pretty advanced, but there's probably some of the finer detail to work through. So we, we know what the options are. We've just got to work with all the parties to kind of finalise um, exactly uh, when... So, for example, promotion relegation, when that kicks in, now, what happens on that final weekend? Is it just a 1v1 or is it right through the, the different levels? So, But the concept of the competition, and, and that's why we were confident going out with Sanzo and Six Nations and making that release to say that we're all committed to doing it. Um, we've just got a little bit more detail to work through. Cool. So the Six Nations teams, we know those. The four Sanzo teams, we know those. It's a 12-team competition, two invitational teams. How are those picked? Yeah, so that's that's probably one of the key areas. So obviously there are teams, there are countries now who have performed at a pretty high level for a long period of time. So you know, if I, if I use two examples, Japan and Fiji are two, mm-hmm. um, who yeah have certainly put their hand up. Um, we're just working through with World Rugby with Six Nations to kind of confirm the criteria for how we finally decide those two teams. Um, We've got a World Cup this year in France, so obviously there's an opportunity for, for countries to really put their hand up there as well on the field. So, yeah, it's exciting that there's an opportunity for two teams to step into this space, um, but just got to finalise the criteria. That's one of those examples I talked about earlier. So is it potentially the top two world-ranking teams outside the Six Nations for Sanzar teams. So um, in a perfect world, they'd be ranked 1 to 10. Not necessarily that would happen. But if it was, would it be teams 11 or 12? Is it that simple? Yeah, look, on-field performance is certainly going to be one of the key areas, right? We, we want teams that, that are capable of, of playing at this level. So that, that's going to be one of the absolute criteria. We're just working through, so for example, this will also involve hosting games in July. Mm-hmm. Um, so the capability to host international matches at this level, uh, looking at the travel aspect as teams are moving around. So there, there's a few things in the mix, but yeah, the primary one is going to be on field. So that's that's why I referenced the World Cup, because if teams turn up and perform there. So if you think, you know, four years ago, Japan made the quarterfinals um, of their home World Cup and sort of proved that they can play at that level. Um, it's you know that's really what we're looking for is teams that that can achieve that. At the moment, the rugby calendar is 
pretty set in stone with Six Nations February, March, the Rugby Championship August, September. Uh, in July, sometimes the Northern Hemisphere comes here. November, we go there. Where does this new one sit and is it at the expense of any of these others? How, do, how does the juggling work? Yeah, no, good good question. It it replaces the test that we host in July and that we go up to the Northern Hemisphere and play in November. Mm-hmm. So we're already playing these six test matches. It's just at the moment it's a mix of one-off games, sometimes tours. Um, so it's a, it's a world rugby schedule that's built out over a number of years. But, um, yeah, sometimes I guess the matches can have less relevance when they're not tied to a competition. So what, what this is aiming to do is pull together those uh, three tests that we host in July and the three that we play away in the north in November and turn it into a competition so that you end up playing. So if, if we're the All Blacks, we would end up playing all Six Nations teams in that year. We'd host three and we'd play away to three. Um, and then the, the new aspect of this is the extra part, if you like, is a, is a final or a finals weekend in November um, where certainly the top two teams, so the best team out of the Six Nations and the best team out of the, the rest of the world, if you like, with the San Jose Nations and the two new teams, will play in a final. That's another one of those areas where we're just working through. Is it just 1v1 or do we start going down to, to further levels 2v2 right the way through? So that's one of the questions that we're working through and that involves working with um, the international club competitions as well to look at how we structure that final finals weekend. So is it two pools of six or is there, how, how, does, how does the 12 team format competition look? So it's, it straddles July, November and at the end of November we've got playoffs but who plays who? How, how does that work? Yeah, so the Six Nations teams, so one pool will be the six Six Nations teams mm-hmm. uh, and then the other pool will be the existing four rugby championship sides and joined by two new teams. Mm-hmm. Um, so the structure of the competition is that, again, if we're the All Blacks, we play all six Six Nations teams through July and November, and then the best team out of that Six Nations pool plays the best team out of the rest of the world pool um, and to decide who, who is the best international team in that, um, in that year. So the All Blacks won't be playing South Africa, Argentina, Australia, in the July-November period. Is that correct? That's correct, yep. So we're, Six Nations as a competition will continue yep. um, in February-March. We'll still have Rugby Championship, um, which for now will still be four teams. So it's not an expansion of Rugby Championship at this stage. Um, so that, yeah, we won't be playing against our Sanzo colleagues in July-November. We'll be focused on playing each of the Six Nations teams. So when do we play Rugby Championship and Bledisloe Cup? Yeah, so that will stay in the um, August-September window. So okay. that, nothing changes really with Rugby Championship. Nothing changes with the Six Nations competition itself. Um, what, we've, what we've done with this Nations Cup is look at July, November and say, well, we're already all playing six tests in, those, yep. in um, July, November. How do we make sure that we're getting... You know, the, making them the best they can be, and how do we put a consistent narrative around them, which is where this competition's come in. So the three games in July, I'm getting a bit excited now. So we could, um, I'll just make some teams up. We could play Italy one weekend, Wales the next weekend, 
Ireland the following weekend. Um, and those three teams, they'll go over. So if we play Italy in the first weekend, then Italy will go to Australia and play that weekend. So it's like a little mini Six Nations tour touring all of our Southern Hemisphere friends. Have, have I sort of got that? that that's exactly right. Yep. No, well, yeah, so teams will be moving through three countries in three weeks playing um, in the same way that we do when we head north. Um, gotcha. Yep. And the three that we don't get to host in July... Uh, we know that we'll still play them in that year. So what what a little avoid is, I guess, some of those. If you look back, we've we've had periods where we haven't played in England for two or three years. Mm. So this will ensure that we always play them, and it'll cycle through. So that over, um, remembering this is played every second year. So starting in 2026. So we might host England in 2026, and then we might go to Twickenham at the back end of 2028. Uh, it'll ensure that the best teams are playing each other. Um, more often. Now, I know New Zealand rugby, in fact, most rugby unions around the world and players associations are very wary of player welfare. Um, number of minutes, rugby minutes played by someone, I don't know, like an Hardy Savier or a, um, Aaron Smith or uh, someone that's going to be in the All Blacks next year or when this is up and running. Um, are we going to have to have bigger squads or is the amount of rugby going to stay pretty much the same that they're playing at the moment? Yeah, no, no it's a good, very good question and it's something we can always concerned around and, and that's, you know, I think International Players Association have put out a release that it's supportive but notes that they don't want to see an increase in the amount of rugby so it's about using those weeks we already have rather than adding to them. Um, so that with this comp, the, the only add is that finals weekend, and that's why we're still doing a little bit more work about how many games are actually played. I mean, everyone wants to see 1v1. Um, certainly we see in time if promotion mitigation comes in lo- online, then there will be the teams that finish at the bottom will have to play games to decide whether they get to stay in the top flight or, or move down. Um, but how many games are played on that weekend is one of the key considerations. For New Zealand rugby, we we add one or two tests a year to the All Blacks program, um, so we'll have to consider the potential for us to be playing in a final when we when we work through. Mm. So, for example, so the tests we play at the back end of October, we we may need to pull back a little bit on that to take account of the fact that we'll have the potential to be playing in a final in November. So, yeah, we're certainly we were conscious of that when we were designing this format, but. Um, we didn't want to be adding more tests. It was just which tests we played in that year. Uh, twenty twenty six. Am I right? Is that what it said? You're looking at commencing then. Yep. Okay. Yep, that's it. And then the second tier from twenty thirty, uh, and then we'll start with the promotion relegation. Now that twenty thirty seven years away. So where does this leave teams like Tonga, Samoa, Georgia, um, these other? aspirational type rugby teams who are looking at a meaningful competition for them in seven years time yeah no so that just to clarify so certainly world rugby um and and those unions the desire is to get the challenger version of this competition up for so an additional 12 teams mm-hmm. doing the same thing in july and november is to get that up and running for 2026 what what we're saying is that with promotion and relegation, we're looking at 2030 as the start point for that. Right. But to ensure that we can have promotion and relegation, we need to make sure that that Challenger Series is, is up and running 
and is working well. And and that's really twofold. One is so that teams are capable of stepping up to play at, at the Nations Cup at the top flight. But it also, you know, we need to be aware of where teams go if they're relegated. So what competition are they moving to if they're not playing in the top flight? So, now the desire is definitely to have this um, Challenger series up and running at the same time. It's more giving it a couple of iterations to bet it down before we move to promotion relegation is the plan. Um, Paul from Italy has texted in saying, can you please ask Cam if Italy are guaranteed a spot despite their ranking? It would be unfair for them to make the cut based on current ranking. So Six Nations teams and CNSR teams at the moment, are, there, are those 10 teams guaranteed spots? Yes, they are. So this is because this is an initiative that Six Nations and Sansar have been working on together. Mm. And again, we've, World Rugby's been involved every step of the way, but World Rugby will do, it's fair to say, do more of the heavy lifting when it comes to the Challenger Series. Um, so the start point will be all Six Nations teams, all Rugby Championship teams, and then an opportunity for two more. But as I say, when you get to a promotion relegation point in the future, then no one's guaranteed their spot. You know, if, if, if the All Blacks didn't perform in that year, then they would be staring down the barrel of, of promotion relegation just like anyone else. Um, and, and if we've got a really strong challenger competition that's operating at that next level, then there's, there's teams that are strong enough to step up, but there's also somewhere for teams to go. So whether that's Italy or whether it's the All Blacks, um, there's a competition that, that would still give you home tests, that would still be meaningful, and obviously if you're good enough, you bounce back uh, up into the top flight. And that's that jeopardy that we want to build in over time. And so it looks almost inevitable that the finals are going to be Northern Hemisphere. And, I mean, in the world of professional sport, you've got to go where the money is. A packed-out Twickenham will bring in a lot more revenue for this competition than a packed-out Eden Park, as much as I'd love to see it here. So is that... I mean, you can't play here in November, I guess, at the end of November and have a final series. So it's the three here, the three in the north, and then and then a, a bonanza of rugby, potentially, I guess, at Millennium Stadium or Twickenham. Yeah, look, it's, it's there's a practical reality there that you know we're, we've traditionally gone up in autumn and played test matches in the north in November. Um, and if we're keeping this in a calendar year, so we've played the July, we turn up and play November then you immediately want to roll into the final and, and all of the teams are together in Europe. So a bit more detail to, to sort of finalise um, you know, where that final's played, how that all works. But yeah, the, the expectation is it will be played in the Northern Hemisphere, at least for the first few iterations. Um, you know, we, we want to continue to review and it, it's a point that, that we've acknowledged that you know, at some point we might want that opportunity, whether it's in South Africa or whether it's back in Australasia or, or elsewhere, to, to have that final. So, but the key was to get this up, get it running, um, get a model uh, where where it's working. And obviously, all the players we're talking about, particularly in the Northern Hemisphere, will be going back into their club seasons. So keeping it tight where, you know, if we start adding travel weeks to travel back to Australasia, that just ex- extends the time that the national team's together. Um, so that's that's why we're looking at the north, at least for that foreseeable future. Do you feel quite chuffed that finally Sansa, Six Nations and World Rugby have signed the same bit of paper? We seem to have had these discussions for a long time. We've talked global calendars. Um, this, this is a bit of a tick uh, from me to those three bodies to actually have something in agreement and 
just over the last 15 minutes I've warmed to it, Cam. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's um, You're right, there's been attempts at, at something like this or, or similar models in the past. Um, I mean, one of the, the big ones, we, that's why we spent a couple of years really working on was the travel schedules for those northern teams. So how do they, you know, obviously with geography in Europe, it's pretty easy to move between those Six Nations teams. Um, it's a bit harder when, you, when you've got South Africa, Argentina, New Zealand, Australia, and then two others. So that was one of the key areas we spent a lot of time really building out those schedules. How do you, who do you play first? Where do you move next? And I think once we were able to demonstrate that we could do that, that's, that was a key consideration for the Players Association was to ensure the player welfare aspect and for the Six Nations teams. So, yeah, that, but no, exciting and, and great that we've, we've got this far with a little bit more detail to come and a launch in 2026. Talking to Cam Good, New Zealand Head of Tournaments and Competitions. One final question. Um, the rankings at Rugby World Cup has copped a little bit that we've got an easy side and a hard side and not the right teams and the right pools because of form and it's based on the previous World Cup. Well, this new tournament, World Nations Championship, I think is the working title, I'm not sure. Will this have an impact on seedings for the World Cup that will follow two years later? I think World Rugby have acknowledged yeah, that there there is an issue there. I mean, they, at some point they have to put a put a line in the sand and say, right, we're using the world rankings now to do the pools for for World Cup. And obviously they did that I think a year after the last World Cup, and a lot's changed since then, particularly mm. with COVID impact. Mm. So they've acknowledged that they're going to have to go later. That puts a bit more pressure on whoever's hosting the World Cup when they're organising it. But it, it makes for a better draw um, and a more equitable draw. So. What what you'll have here is obviously the best teams are playing each other in really meaningful games, um, not necessarily more often, but but we're playing in a competition, so everyone's every game's going to matter. Um, yeah, so that will certainly go to the world rankings. But I, but even aside from this, World Rugby had acknowledged that they needed to to probably wait a bit closer to the World Cup to lock and load who was in each pool, um, which will make for a better, more evenly spread pool. Is probably the best way to put it. Cam, great chat. Really appreciate you coming on. I do understand you're on leave at the moment. So uh, thanks for joining us today. Really appreciate it. No problem, sir. Take it easy. Have a good day. Good, cool. Cameron Good, Head of Tournaments, Competitions, New Zealand Rugby. Okay, I was undecided. Now I like it. I actually like it. Um, My one reservation was the second tier teams weren't going to get a crack till 2030. But the promotion relegation doesn't work till 2030. They are going to be operating at the same time as this from 2026. I like it. Broadcast rights, sponsorship, um, commercial considerations, all of that will be a nightmare to figure out. But the fact those three entities, Six Nations, Sansa, World Rugby, and may I say, no least important players associations from the welfare side of things, all of them in principle have agreed. That's quite a massive step for rugby, I must say. And I do tip my hat for whoever in the give and take, whoever gave to allow this to happen.